Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I am Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today is episode number 436 with Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Well, one of the things I've realized is with over 430 episodes, it's really hard to uh, promote episodes we've done in the past. If you go to our website at beyondtheuniform.org, we've got, you know, an air table where you can kind of sort around different topics. We've found, you know, try to find a few ways to help uh, you surface the episodes you might be looking for. And one area where I thought I could help is by occasionally rebroadcasting older episodes. Um, I'm going to try to do this on Thursday, but I thought I'd kick off this week with a Monday episode with one of my favorite episodes of all time. For those of you who are not familiar with Jocko and Leif, uh, they really made a big splash years ago when they released their first book together, Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership is probably one of the top three business business books that I've read. Uh, it's written in such a compelling way that takes stories from their experience in, as Navy SEALs and applies it to business principles, which I think for, for listeners is kind of the ideal book because they're blending something familiar with something that for many of you might be the unknown, the world of business or your post-service career life. So I wanted to take this opportunity to rebroadcast this episode and in uh, following Thursdays, I'm going to try to reach back in the archive to lesser-known episodes. You'll have to be patient, especially if I reach really far back as I was just learning how to, how to uh, do this whole podcast thing. So with that, I will dive in to our conversation with Jocko and Leif. Dive, Well, joining me today in Austin and in San Diego, my guests today are Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Jocko and Leif, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Thanks for having us. So for, so for listeners, you've uh, heard about Jocko and Leif from me and I'm sure from other places. Uh, Jocko, you got on my radar a couple years ago when you were on Tim Ferriss's podcast, probably like a lot of people. Since then, I've uh, read the Discipl- Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. I've got a 10-month-old son. He is on his second lap of Way of the Warrior Kid. And I've done the audiobook of Extreme Ownership and uh, Dichotomy of Leadership. And he's caught a good portion of that at, at the 2 a.m. feeding when I'm listening to it. And um, I have to say a couple things just to expound on this. Uh, uh, Extreme Ownership is the number one recommended book that guests on the show have referenced. And to be honest, I usually shy away from books like that. I've got some sort of aversion. And when I read the, you know, the hundredth time it was recommended, I read Extreme Ownership and the preface and the dedication do such an exceptional job of just getting someone like me past the hurdles to reading that sort of book. It was, it's so beautifully written and shows that you guys were writing this book for the right reasons. And so for the two listeners we have who haven't read those books yet, highly recommend them both. And um, I just wanted to thank you each. I think that uh, more than anyone else I've seen, you have done such incredible work to elevate the perception of military veterans in the civilian community. And so just really grateful in your writing and your work and your speaking. I think you're doing a great service for all of us in showcasing to the world what we as a community have to offer. Well, th- thanks a lot. I mean, I, I can tell you, we, we uh, both 
took away a ton from the military and the military gave me my whole life. And so it's an honor to be able to try and give something back to the military for sure. That's awesome. Appreciate those kind words, Justin. I, interestingly enough, the preface uh, was something that we had a lot of people tell us, hey, you should take that out. You know, you, that shouldn't be in there. You should dive right into the action of, uh, you know, of a good combat story. And it was really important for us to help explain why we wrote that book to pass on some very humbling lessons learned so that those uh, lessons don't have to be relearned, uh, rewritten in blood. And, and I, I recognize this is my own judgments, my own things. Sometimes when I see books like that, my, my assumption is that it's written for people's ego. And that's why I love the preface. It was like, you know, the sense I got was you cleared it through the right channels. You were doing this to give things back. You had taken all the necessary measures to keep things safe. And the, love and respect that you have for uh, your, your fallen colleagues with Mike, Mark, and Ryan, like that love comes through in the book. Like it seems like the dedication there was so powerful. So all of those things together worked well. And I loved the format. I loved the excitement of the, the war story, the principle, and then the application to business. And between the three of them, it really rounds out to something that's universally applicable and extremely entertaining to read. So um, yeah, I thought it was beautifully, beautifully done. Um, so, so maybe to start things off, um, Leif, one thing I wanted to ask you about is you, you left the military after about 13 years of service. And I know so many of our listeners struggle at that point. That seems to be a, a, a questioning point of, do I stay in for 20? Do I, do I get out? And I'm just curious, you know, you had your own unique circumstances, but any advice you have for listeners about how to approach that decision? Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a tough decision. It's the, the only thing I ever wanted to be was a combat leader my whole life. And I got a chance to do that in the SEAL teams. And I always said that I was going to stay in until I stopped having fun. Uh, and look, it, it was, it was a great job it was the best job in the world. Uh, as I moved up the ranks in, in the SEAL teams, you get further away from the people you like to be around and the things you like to do. Uh, and, and so it was, I, I felt like it was time for me to move on. I had a lot of senior leaders tell me that this was a very poor business decision that I was leaving, you know, the equivalent of a half million dollar 401k plan on the table, you know, for, for retirement. And, uh, and actually looking at those numbers now, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the things that, that people can get, the benefits through TRICARE, uh, you know, for, for their health insurance, for, uh, for military retirement, those would be great. It, it, it's, I think for most people, it's probably the right decision. If you've already spent 13 years in, it's, it's probably the right decision to, uh, to just figure out a, a way to do 20 uh, and make that work for you. Uh, for me, I, you know, I, I think I was ready to, to attack something else. I'm a pretty default aggressive guy. And, and uh, so I was I was ready to get out. I had, a, you know, some family uh, concerns as well. My wife was working in New York City at the time, and and there was no place. I, Washington D.C. was the closest I was going to be able to get to that. We've been on opposite sides of the country. I was stationed in San Diego for two and a half years, so that was a major factor in, in my decision as well. Uh, and look, the reality is, if you do want to get out at that at that uh, at that mark, you can you can make it work. I mean, we, we were able to make it work, and we built a successful company with Echelon Front, and and uh, we're doing very well. But uh, it, it didn't start that way. And I made, you know, the first year out, I made less than half of my Navy paycheck. Uh, and, and it was, it was, it was a consideration for the first two or three, uh, years of echelon front of whether or not this was ever going to fully pay the bills. Uh, so, you know, starting your own business from scratch as you get out is, is a tough thing. It's a big challenge. Nobody should underestimate that. 
uh, it's a it's a very very significant challenge. So uh, I think for each person, you just have to weigh your own decision and think, hey, let's we don't know what the economy is going to look like, you know, mm-hmm. two or three years. That we can we can have some ups and downs. You know, would it be good to have that that retirement paycheck coming in? Tricare is is an amazing thing. And when I started having to pay for health insurance. Uh, that was a big wake up call for me. <laughs> I, I pay more per month for my health insurance than Jocko does for his entire year. Uh, so it, it's, it's definitely a big, uh, it, it's a big thing to consider. And, uh, and I think you just have to do the research and, and make sure that it's the right decision for you. That's great. And, and one thing I wanted to ask for both of you is reading, reading your books. It's, um, very clear to me that you you each have so much respect for each other and, and such a strong working relationship. And I'm also aware that wh- while you were in the military, there was different ranks and there's a, a difference in age. And I'm just curious of if you feel like your working relationship has changed now that you're out of the military. You've been out of the military working together for a while. Does it feel like the the same relationship or has that had to change as you became co-founders together and and working together outside of the uniform i can tell you from my perspective this is jocko talking there's really been no change because when i was the guy in charge of task unit bruiser i wasn't sitting there at the top making all these decisions on my own in a vacuum we were very collaborative in the way we worked together and when we started the civilian company, we had the same sort of ideas to move forward that, hey, we're going to come up with the best plan. It wasn't worried about whose plan it was. It was just what's the right decision to make. And, and that's how I've always kind of worked. So for me, it hasn't really been too much different from the military to the civilian sector. It's hanging out with your friends and getting a mission done. Mm. And, you know, that's something very unique about Jocko is that, you know, he was able to be my boss in Tascana Bruiser as my immediate, you know, Tascana commander when I was the, the senior uh, platoon commander. And we were also close friends as well. And we've maintained that, you know. I will say this, though. It was interesting as we launched Echelon Front and it was just us for a long time. And then as we've grown, you know, to, to more than a dozen employees now with Echelon Front, different uh, leadership instructors, we realized that we actually had to institute decentralized command and actually put a command structure at Echelon Front. We couldn't just be the, the, the equal co-founders. And that's something that Jocko and I had a conversation about. And it was interesting to me that he actually approached me, you know, several years ago as we realized we needed to do this. And, and, and it was, he was thinking that I was going to push back on that if, if uh, about how we would put that structure in place. Cause he's the, the, the CEO of the company. Uh, and, and it was no factor to me whatsoever. Uh, mm. it, it is, I'm totally happy to be the, the president, the CEO of the company, uh, and and that command structure is something that we've always worked under. We've always had a great relationship, and I think the way that that Jocko leads and, and what I've learned from him is is this idea that I mean there there's extremely it, it's so minuscule the number of times that we even disagree about things. Uh, we're almost completely aligned, and if if anything, when we talk uh, because he's in San Diego and I'm I'm in Texas, uh, we don't. Sometimes if we haven't talked for a while uh, because our schedules are going in different directions, uh, I'd need that reassurance of like, hey, you got this, man. You're aligned with my vision. Uh, and, and I think that's an awesome thing. Uh, but it, it's, he's always been approachable. Uh, if, I've, if I disagree about something, he's, he's not the guy despite his looks. Uh, if, if you're watching this via video, uh, if you've seen Jocko, he, he's not a guy that just says, do it my way. That's, that we realize that's not good leadership. And he's always willing to say, okay, if you disagree with me, let's – Talk me through how that's going to work or why that, why that is. 
uh, and approaches, you know, approaches conversations in that way. So uh, it's been no factor. And, and I've seen a number of, of friends of mine that have worked with close friends of theirs or gone in business with them. And that's been really problematic. Uh, and, and I think that's just a testament to the power of good leadership. Uh, Jocko sets that, you know, from, from the beginning. And if, if I've got a disagreement with him, I realize that it's, 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 it's my fault for not explaining, you know, my position or why I think we should go in a different direction. And, and I think it's a testament to the power of extreme ownership uh, and what, what makes this work and what makes our, our company successful. That's, that's great. You know, one thing that I realized when you're saying that, so, so people have listened to the show for a long time have heard me talk about Cal Newport, who wrote a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And we've had him on the show and the premise is you build up career capital that you can then cash in for different things, different opportunities or transitions. And what you're talking about, Leif, it's almost the thought of, um, it seems like you both built up a fair amount of relationship capital in working together in so many different circumstances in the military. And you've been able to leverage that relationship capital in a wildly different context now in, in running your own company. And I don't think I've had anyone on the show that, that has done that, that, that forged a really strong bond in the military and then leveraged that to, to take that relationship in a different form, in a different vehicle. And I think it's awesome that you're setting that example that you can do that. If you work with someone really well and you've tested that relationship in the military, that's, that's someone to consider co-founding a company with or working with or working alongside. Um, and I also love how you're both embodying the principles that you teach in your books and you're applying that to your company and that's how you're able to keep things running so smoothly and efficiently. One thing that's kind of nice on top of those relate the relationship that Leif and I have is, is not just Leif and I at the company anymore. You know, we've got, we got uh, JP Donnell who is in Delta platoon. We got Dave Burke who was with the uh, Anglico on the ground with us in the battle of Ramadi. We got Jason Gardner, who's another friend of mine from the SEAL teams, Flynn Cochran, another guy from the SEAL teams that worked for Leif, uh, his wife, Jamie. We, we've got a whole crew of people that we, they're, the reason that they're here is because we all have good relationships. And, and, and we, so it's not just the relationship that we have that we've carried into the civilian sector. It's a bunch of other military relationships that we have. And we have a bunch of other guys lined up to come on board at Echelon Front in the coming uh, 12 to 18 months that are all guys that we worked with and, and had good working relationships with. That's awesome. Um, I, I want to delve a little bit more into Echelon Front, but just to set the stage for those not familiar with Echelon Front, how would you if, you, if you, if you were to bump into someone on the streets, some Marine or Army or Air Force person, and, and they said, what do, you, what do you do for a living with, with Echelon Front? How do you answer that question? I just tell people it's a leadership consulting company and we teach people how to lead. Hmm. I love it. And, and at this point, you've helped over 400 businesses uh, since starting Echelon Front back in 2010. Could you share a little bit more, like what was the starting point? Was there a, a moment that you attribute to having this idea or what was the genesis? I, I, can, uh, I can speak to that because uh, <laughs> there is, so we, we actually became toward the end, Jocko had retired in 2010 and he started working with uh, uh, a, a company in the civilian sector in the mortgage business and immediately realized that the principles that we taught, the, the next generation of SEALs that we would brought back from Ramadi, I mean, you, you remove the tactical uh, combat, uh, how you maneuver troops on the battlefield, 
that's the easy part of leadership, right? The hard part of leadership is actually getting a diverse group of people with different perspectives and different egos and different ways of mm. wanting to do things to actually align, to work together in order to accomplish a strategic mission and win. And that's, that applies to any team in any situation. And so when I left active duty in 2011, Jocko had retired in, in the fall of 2010, uh, I, I had spoken to a company that can't come and visit our team and they were really interested in how we taught leadership and, and they wanted to ask a lot of questions about the, the program that I had run, which was the, the junior officer training program. And, uh, and so they, I realized right away as well, for me, it was a real revelation. These leadership lessons absolutely apply. I was right on the verge of going to law school because everybody I knew that got out had gone back to school and it was either MBA or law degree or something, something else, uh, some master's program. And, uh, you know, for every single officer I knew that was, that was getting out. So I thought, Hey, that's the transition. I decided law school would be interesting. Uh, I had people ask me, Hey, do you want to be a lawyer? I said, absolutely not. Uh, but I thought law, law, a law degree might, might be useful in some capacity. Uh, we had a bunch of our friends killed on the, uh, the helicopter extortion one seven that got shot down in uh, August 6th, uh, 2011. And uh, one of those guys had been at my wedding a month before that, uh, Brian Bill, close friend of mine, and Jocko and I served with a number of those guys. And it was another revelation uh, that, a lesson that we learned over and over again, that life is really short, you should do the things that you wanna do. And I immediately decided to defer law school and uh, I was sitting there talking to my wife in New York City and thinking that, uh, you know, what I wanna do with my life. And she asked me, well, what are you passionate about? What, do you, what, do you, uh, what would you like to do? Uh, and the thing I love to do most is was put a SEAL platoon commander. That's the best job in the world. And I would do that job again in a heartbeat. Uh, and I couldn't do that job anymore. I'd already been, you know, I made it up to the XO level uh, at a SEAL team. So uh, I was way beyond the SEAL platoon commander. And, and I decided the second best job that I really liked was teaching leadership to those young junior officers. Uh, that, that program that I ran for two years. Uh, every single officer graduated from our training uh, pipeline. We, we put through that. And and that was, I was passionate about that. I, I loved mentoring these young junior officers. And so she's like, you should call Jocko and start a company. Uh, that's what my wife said to me. So I did that. I called Jocko. I said, hey, we need to start a leadership company. He said, roger that. Let's, uh, let's make it happen. We started Echelon Front there in, in, the, in the fall of, uh, of 2011. We became an official LLC in uh, February 2012. And it wasn't until about two or three years afterward that I realized I, I thought that's not problem. It was all my idea. Uh, and then I realized that Jocko and I had had a conversation about a year and a half prior to that, where he asked me if I wanted to start a leadership company. And, what is <laughs> and I threw out this gargantuan number that I thought was, you know, was totally unachievable. And he just kind of nodded his head and he didn't say anything. And so I realized that the, the idea to launch this leadership company was 100% Jocko. And a seed that he had planted uh, that I had totally even forgotten was his idea. And I think that's a, the power of great ideas is it doesn't matter who gets credit. Uh, it, we just want to win. And, and, and I think that's, that is something he kind of laughs about that now, you know, when I say that, uh, but totally, you know, he started planting that seed back in, in 2010, uh, that, that realizing that there's a huge need to pass on these leadership lessons learned, something that's practical, that's applicable. We don't teach stuff that's learned in a classroom. This, this, is, this is learned through experience and learned through the mistakes and failures that, that we made. And we, we failed and made mistakes over and over and over again. And what we learned from that to try to help others succeed in whatever arena they're in. So, uh, I, and I think that's really, you know, back to your previous question, this is, that's the success of Echelon Front is, and as it's the success of any organization, it's why we say humility is the most important quality in a leader is, if you take your ego out of it, it doesn't matter who gets credit for what. It's about winning and, and, 
and what we can do to contribute to a team that, that's going to win. So that's how Echelon Front uh, came to be. And it took me several years to remember that it was actually Jocko's idea and, uh, and not mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really lucky when I when I retired from the Navy about six months prior to retiring, a, a guy that I knew that was the CEO of a big company come asked me to talk to his executive team about leadership. And I went and talked to them. And when I got done, he asked me to talk to every division in his company. And it really, as, as Leif pointed out, as soon as I had one conversation with these civilian leaders, I realized that everything that we had been teaching from a leadership perspective applied 100% across the board. And then luckily this CEO realized that too. He asked me to talk to all of his divisions. I went and was talking to his divisions. I was at one of those divisional meetings and the CEO of the parent company was there as well. And as soon as I got done, he came up and said, I want you to talk to all my CEOs. And he owned about 45 or 50 companies at the time. So I went and talked to that, that group of CEOs. And when I got done, a bunch of them came up to me and said, can you come talk to my company? Can you come talk to my company? And right, right then I knew we had something significant. And, and I also knew I was going to need backup. You know, I knew I was going to need help. I wasn't going to be able to do, do it all myself. Much like anything worth doing in life, if you can do it yourself, it's probably not that big of a deal. So, and then, and then Leif was, you know, happened to be getting out at the same time and, you know, the, the world's aligned and he had that brilliant idea. So he called me up and, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing as you, as you both are sharing this, we need to do a spouse appreciation episode because Leif, it's clear that one of the, one of the milestones on this journey was, was your wife's input of, of recognizing what energized you and kind of nudging you in that direction. And I think there's probably two dozen episodes I've had where the significant other played such an important role in giving that feedback. And what I love too about what you're, you're both saying is the um, realizing, I think that a lot of guests we've had on the show and a lot of listeners sometimes question how transferable their skills are from the military. And I think that um, what I especially love about what you're talking about is you, you found the, the aspects that could be transferable and you found ways to, to, to do a little bit of tweaking to translate them to the civilian audience. And I know a lot of guests often talk about that of doing a little bit of work to not use the jargon from the military to make it in terms that the civilians can understand. And I think that in your work, you've really effectively done that. You saw what, what would serve this population and you found how to explain it to them in a way that would be accessible. And I think that's really impressive. Well, certainly you have to be able to communicate with people in a way that they understand. Otherwise it's worthless. And that's one of the laws of combat is keeping things simple. And that's what we try to do in, it's what we try to do every day is keep the lessons simple, keep the principles clear so that people can understand them and implement them into their world. That's wonderful. Justin, I, I want to just make a comment about you were talking about the appreciation for spouses and, and, and look, I think it'd be a great episode. Uh, Jocko is married to uh, probably the nicest human being in the entire world as well. Uh, she, she is uh, absolute uh, saint uh, <laughs> in, in more ways than one. And, and yeah, so we, I think that's a great appreciation. Kind of a, just in case you didn't pick up on this, that's kind of a backhanded shot at me. You know, my wife must be a saint to be married to a guy like me, but I'll give it to him. It's actually true. So yeah, listen, it's, it, it, it's the truth. And uh, it, it's, look, I appreciate military spouses in a huge way. And I think that's great to recognize them. I, I, I would say though, that that is, I think that what my my wife was asking me there is a really important thing. And it's something that we do all the time at Echelon Front with the leaders that we work with. When someone comes to me and says, hey, I don't know if 
you know, if, if this is where I want to be, or do I want to launch my own company? And we get this all the time we, at our, whether it's at our muster, the, the leadership conferences that, that we run uh, or, or companies that we work with, we get people reaching out to us and asking those kind of questions. And, and what we always try to tell them is to think strategically, just as my wife was telling me there, you know, where do you want to be? You know, where do you want to be 30 years from now? Uh, and kind of backwards plan toward that. I think the worst thing that anybody can do getting out of the military is just fall on, you know, into the, the first interview that comes available. I think you really need to do some research and figure out what you want to do for a career and look for a career that you can uh, really take pride in and, 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 and be eager to go to work and actually uh, be excited about uh, the mission that you're a part of finding your new mission. I think that's super critical for anybody rather than just fall into the, uh, the first job that's available. Cause you're going to get in a situation where you're probably looking for a new job pretty quick. Uh, if you do that. I, I a hundred percent agree. One of the, the driving forces that caused me to start beyond the uniform was the, the frustration, like equal parts frustration of the, the man or woman who got out of the military expecting things to be better and realizing you probably would have been happier in the military. And then there's people who stay in the military out of fear of not knowing what they're going to do. And it really triggers me to see people just take a job that is not right for them because they don't know like that. I'm in the same category as you Leif, MBA or, or, or law school. Those were the two paths I knew. And it, it took me going to business school to realize there are thousands of options thousands of different career paths and finding the one that's uniquely suited to you. That's, that's definitely one of the, the goals of this show is to be able to spotlight those and say, you know, these are different options for you. And if it resonates, do some homework and, and go after it. Um, I'm wondering with, um, with the starting point, just, I know so many of our listeners aspire to start a company and, and Leif, I appreciated at the start, you, you hinted at that the first year or two, it wasn't like you were making a ton of money. And, and that actually, I think that's great for me to hear. Even for me, I just assumed you guys started this thing and it just took off and it was easy sailing. And I'm wondering uh, advice that either of you have for listeners who aspire to start their own company. One thing that I give advice when it comes to starting a company is start small and then listen for the demand signal to grow into. Um, you know, Leif and I didn't have an office of any kind until last year. We, we, we finally went out and, and got a building so we can actually have a headquarters down in Texas. But that's uh, practically seven or eight years deep into this thing. We never had any overhead. We kept all the, all the expenses at a minimum and we grew as the demand signal called for it. So I think some people go a little bit backwards and they invest a bunch of money up front and they're not even sure how popular their business is going to be or how, how much demand signal there's going to be for their business. So we started, we started small and we grew as the demand signal, uh, as, we, as we heard the demand signal. And I just recommend that is the best way, I think, to mitigate risk and not put, put a bunch of overhead on top of yourself where you've got a, a huge bill to pay every month without even paying yourself. So just start small and grow. The other thing I would say is, you don't always, you're not always right. You know, you, you may, you may come up with a product or an idea that you think is the greatest idea ever. And you, you could be wrong. And so if you invest all this money into that idea, and then you look up in a year or two years and it hasn't gone anywhere, well, now you're out a bunch of money and you're upside down. Whereas if you try that idea from a more conservative uh, viewpoint or, or a more conservative stance, then you look up and say, Hey, this isn't really quite, 
turning out the way I thought it was going to be. How about I make an adjustment? How can, how, what do I see? What other opportunities have revealed themselves? Because that's what, that's what happens. You know, you make a product and it's not quite what people are looking for, but you feel, you realize that they're looking for something else. You can make some adjustments and you can move in that direction. So I think you got to start small and then you got to stay humble and adaptable as you see changes. You need to say, okay, my plan was wrong and we're going to do something a little bit different now and, and okay. I, I think that's such great advice too. I think that the popular, the conventional wisdom in popular culture is bet on yourself, go big. And people who are just spending a lot of time and money without validating that there's the demand there. So I love that thought of starting small and I respect going that long with such minimal expenses, seven to eight years until you had an office where I see people getting an office before they even have the idea. So I love that, that discipline and that pacing. I, I think as well, you have to remember that it's a campaign. I mean, it, this is a, it's a, it's a long-term thing. And there's a lot of people out there that think that if they get, you know, if they can get, uh, if they can get someone with a huge profile on social media to post something about their product, you know, or if they can just get on a television program uh, and, and, and all of a sudden it's going to blow their business up. I mean, look, you should pursue those opportunities for sure. Uh, but don't think that that's going to be the, the end all be all for, for whatever product or service that you're trying to, to, to market. I mean, it's just, just not the case. So, uh, you have to realize that that's a slow growth thing over time. But if you are providing a product or a service that people need and, and, and like and is impactful, it's going to continue to grow. Uh, and I think you, you do have to, to Jocko's point, you have to actually say, you know, if, if it's not working, like, hey, maybe, maybe this isn't as good as I thought. You have to be able to hum, you know, humble enough to actually take a look at that. I, I will say this, though, the, the kind of the caveat, we always talk about, you know, we wrote that second book, The Dichotomy of Leadership, and this is the dichotomy as well. So, You've got to be honest about what people want uh, and, and you need to, to start slow. And that's absolutely true. Everything Jock was saying. On the other hand, you also have to recognize that maybe the experts aren't, aren't, aren't always right in, in, in that regard. And, you know, if I look at, at how we started this business, I mean, every business person we talked to, they, they told us that we need to be focused in the crisis management mode to be able to go help companies that are going through these difficult times that have, you know, that, that we can actually help them through, you know, the, the tough situations, which would be applicable to our combat experience. And that is, that is the tiniest, tiniest percentage of the clients that we work with. And it's well above 400 at this point. We're talking, uh, we're probably pushing, uh, I, I probably pushing a thousand companies that we worked with over the last uh, almost eight years now. So uh, it, it is in the overwhelming majority of those clients, I'd say 95th percentile are people who are doing extremely well, and they want to do even better. They recognize that they need to, they're growing, you know, hugely. They need to invest in leadership development and they're bringing us in because they realize that they can do even better as they grow. And, and, and so that's something I think to, to recognize that the, the experts may be wrong. Same thing for the book, you know, extreme ownership. We marketed this book. We wanted to write it ourselves. We didn't want to go to a ghost author. Everybody told us that was ridiculous. We can't write a book. They probably took a look at me and decided that uh, I, I didn't know how to write my name, much less write a book. And, uh, and so they, they said, you have to go through an author. Then they told us it wasn't ready. Then we said, no, we want to write this ourselves. We want to control the story. We want to make sure that it's told in the humble manner that these lessons are captured in the way that they, uh, that, that we know they should be and how they'll be most applicable. And the first five publishing houses that we sent that to turned us down said, no, thank you. This isn't ready. We don't like this. Uh, and, and, and we're fortunate, you know, extreme ownership has been one of the most successful business books since its publication. Uh, over four years ago now. So 
but that that was not that way. I mean, initially there was only they, there was a very I think they printed ten thousand copies initially. Uh, they didn't want to you know there was no money invested in that uh, at all, and nobody thought that uh, really had a belief it would be successful except for me and Jocko really. Um, you know, maybe a few inside players that are our publisher, St. Martin's Press, uh, kind of saw the, you know, the, uh, the, the value in it. But still, it, it, we stuck to our guns there because we knew that that was the right way to do it. And there may be some times where you, you have to do that uh, and, and push back against conventional wisdom and maybe do the opposite of what other people are doing in order to be successful. I, I appreciated that in the dichotomy of leadership as well, like the, um, the recognition of the nuance that it's not, it's not necessarily, it's not situations that are not necessarily simple. And I love, I think it's Henry Ford that said, if I listened to my customers, I would have built a faster horse. And so like, there's the tension between listening to customers and innovating. And there's the tension between breaking through walls and, and then also realizing when all the signs point to this is a bad idea. And that's like, it is, there's far more art than I think people give credit to. And I'm, I'm just also appreciating even hearing with your book. And if, if we have time, we'll get into it towards the end, but um, it's easy for people like you, for, for me, when I view people like you to just assume that, that both echelon front and even the book was an easy process, that it was an idea to success. And it's helpful to hear even with the book that you, it was rejected by publishers, that there was a lot of speed bumps. There was a lot of friction and it wasn't just this effortless process. I hope that listeners uh, take comfort in that and realizing that it's, it's an uphill battle for everyone. There's no, you know, very rarely these quick wins and it takes perseverance. It takes dedication to actually achieve the great things that you both have achieved multiple times. Um, I, I want to make sure that we have space for a, a, a new development to your company, and that is an, an aspect called Echelon Front Legion that, that very recently launched. And I think it's so directly applicable to listeners. So I wanted to give, give some room for you each to share about what, what's behind Echelon Front Legion, what that is, where it's going, and how listeners might, uh, might participate. So when I was talking about people that we work with at Echelon Front, the relationships that we built while we were in the military, one of the, one of the other people in that organization is, is a guy named Mike Sorelli, who was one of the assistant platoon commanders in Task Unit Bruiser for Delta Platoon. And then he went on to an incredible career in the military and the SEAL teams. Just, I think he ended up doing a total of 10 combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan and then a couple other hotspots in the world, but just a phenomenal guy. And... He joined Echelon Front, and as he joined Echelon Front, he had come from a, a civilian uh, nonprofit called Vetted, where they were helping military folks transition in the civilian sector. And he realized that it, it was a great program, and he enjoyed doing it, but he also realized that there were some, some holes in it where he might be able to come up with something that could be even more helpful, both to veterans and to businesses. And so he kind of came up with this idea of forming a placement company for civilian companies to take people from the military and, and get them into these civilian roles where like we all know it can be a hard transition, but we also all know that military veterans have skills that are absolutely ap applicable in the civilian sector. So we've got actually two companies. One of them is called EF Overwatch. And what that focuses on is folks from the special operations and the combat aviation community and taking them and getting them placed into companies. And then 
as the demand signal, again, I'll talk about demand signal. As we rolled that out, there was a lot of companies that we worked with that had been asking us for years, hey, where do I get people that understand these principles that you talk about? Where do I get people with a leadership experience? So we rolled out EF Overwatch to kind of satisfy that need. Almost immediately upon rolling that out, we got even more demand signal and it was for, hey, what I need is frontline leadership. I need frontline workers. I need frontline troops and I need that, that middle level management of people that are, are willing to work hard. And so what that translated to us, I mean, Leif and I worked in, alongside soldiers and Marines all the time in the Battle of Ramadi, the grunts on the front lines, the, the mechanics, the people prepping radios. I mean, all those workers that get the job done, that have the discipline, that have the leadership skills. And so what we wanted to do was open up more frontline positions in the civilian sector to hiring in folks that had gotten out of the military, maybe not after 20 years, like EF Overwatch uh, has a focus on, but people that are getting out after four years or six years, but they still have those those qualities and those characteristics that make them great leaders and employees in the civilian sector. And that's why we started EF Legion. That's that's great. I mean, I think the, when I, and, and for listeners, uh, almost a hundred episodes ago on episode 246, I had the pleasure of, of interviewing Mike Sorelli and hearing his story. And, um, and, and we talked a lot about echelon front overwatch you have overwatch in that episode but i love that thought of the um how you followed the thread of demand where you realize there was once you had that there was an opportunity beyond that and i love too i mean in your both of your books it really comes through too the respect that you have for all the different components all the different people making a mission successful. And I love to see how you've expanded your vision to in incorporate them and give them the training and support they need to find their ideal opportunity as well. Well, Justin, I think what you just said there is very important. You know, and Jocko touched on that with, with EF Overwatch. The, the idea of an Overwatch position is where that came from, right? We're, we're putting in a, a sniper Overwatch position to support the troops on the ground there. So it's not just, hey, a placement company to find a veteran and put him into a, an open job, but actually provide him or her the tools to succeed by, by, by helping them understand the, the experiences that they have through the, through the lens of extreme ownership, the kind of leadership, these books that we've written, uh, and then through our, our EF Online training programs, which, which we're offering through uh, for, for Legion personnel as well. Uh, so, you know, for veterans out there that are interested in that, I mean, this is, this is the way to help understand how to take your experiences and apply it in the civilian sector to, to success and, and, and connect to, to companies that we're working with. And the, the kind of companies we bring us that, that bring us in again, these are successful companies and that is the, 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 these are companies that are growing. They need people. They're excited to get the right people, veterans with the kind of leadership experience that Jocko was talking about with a mindset of extreme ownership. It's not, not just enough that you've worn the uniform, that you understand that humility is the most important quality in a leader. That you're going to have to actually work hard. You're going to have to learn about a new career. Start as the the, the new guy or new gal, and and actually work your work your way up to uh, up the chain of command. And uh, and for those folks, you know, to take that discipline, to take that focus, the teamwork that they have, and be able to apply that those skills. Uh, that's what this is about. And uh, and we're excited to launch that program. Help the companies that we work with, as well as help veterans uh, transition out of the military. What I, what I love about that is probably half the interviews that I've done, the number one challenge that guests on the show identify is, hey, when I, when I left the military, I had this wealth of experience and knowledge, and it was challenging to figure out how to explain that to a hiring manager and to a company. 
And it seems like, you know, using extreme ownership, you're equipping the people that work with EF Legion, you're equipping them with a really powerful framework to explain that knowledge, to explain that expertise, to explain their background to someone who wants to hire them but needs to understand their value proposition, to, to understand what they bring to the company. And I think that's such an incredible resource in, in, in helping people better articulate what they did in the military and why that would be valuable to, to any company that's hiring them. Yeah, we're, we're actually attacked that problem from two directions because not only does the does the military personnel learn like about extreme ownership and how to translate that in the civilian sector, but the companies that are seeking people, well, they're people that already have read extreme ownership. They understand the principles themselves so they can easily identify them inside the recruits and candidates that we bring forward to them. So it's uh, solving the problem from two directions, which has turned out to be very beneficial. Mm -hmm. That really underscores too the, the, the work that you both have done. It is educating the civilian population. It's just helping them better understand why they would want to hire the, the, the military community members. And so I love that you've built this not marketplace, but you've built this, um, you forged these relationships that are mutually beneficial. And, and I just want to recognize for listeners the work that you've done in your books of, of cultivating those companies who identify and say like, yes, these are the type of people that we want to work alongside, that we want to work for, that we want to work for us. It's, it's, it's showing them how much they bring to the table. And, and the sense I get from a lot of the companies I speak with is they know, oftentimes they know that veterans have something to offer and sometimes they don't exactly know what that is or they can't put their finger on it. And your books have done a great job of showing that uh, and, and throughout uh, incredible examples of exactly what they bring to the table. I'm, I'm wondering um, if anything stands out around, um, you, you've seen different junior non-commissioned officers, you've seen different officers leaving the military, and I'm curious if you've seen any sort of mindset changes that need to, to need to occur. And I just say that because, you know, we, we're giving a lot of praise to all of the things that we learn in the military that are an asset in the civilian workforce. And I'm sure that there's things that could be a liability if not kept in check or maybe not tweaked a little bit. And just, yeah, wondering if anything stands out for either of you on that. It's the same thing that we talk about all the time from a leadership perspective. What's the most important quality for a leader to have? It's humility. And what, ha what can happen with a, a person that was in the military is they've been in the military for six years or eight years and they know their job well and they're used to maybe telling people what to do or at least, at least used to being an authority in their particular subject matter. And let's face it, when you get out, you're entering a completely new industry. And if you can't get humble and say to yourself, okay, I need to take a step back, I need to listen, I need to learn, I need to have an open mind, and instead you walk in there acting or pretending that you know everything, people are gonna see right through it and they're not gonna like it just like they don't like it in the military. So. When you get out of the military, you have to get humble. I mean, you heard Leif, Leif talking about taking a massive pay cut. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was in the SEAL teams, was the recipient of the Silver Star, Bronze Star, Purple Heart, was a platoon commander on the battlefield, led countless operations into the hardest combat it, that, that the SEAL teams had seen since Vietnam, and then was the operations officer of the SEAL team, and then was the executive officer of the SEAL team. And he comes out and 
you know, in his mind, he sure he could have been walking around saying, well, I deserve to get paid 30, 30, 40, $50,000 to go and talk to this company. And you know what those companies said? They said, Hey, great. Nice to meet you. How about you talk to us for free? Mm. And what Leif had to do was the same thing that anyone getting out of the military has to do. The first company that I talked to, they didn't pay me anything, right? That's, that's the way it works. I might've had this grandiose idea in my head that I was a great public speaker and I had all this knowledge that they absolutely needed. Well, mm. guess what? You know what they paid me for that knowledge? Nothing. I gave it to them. Mm. So that's what you have to do. You have to say to yourself, listen, I know I've done some stuff in the military. It's in the past. I need to be humble. I need to move forward. And I need to s step into this role with an open mind, ready to learn. And that is going to allow me to move up into a position where I can lead. Mm. That, that mindset is all powerful. And you've got, you have to have that. You've got to be able to put your ego in check. Uh, and that's, that's critical. I think the other thing you have to do is you got to work hard. You've got to do the work. You know, Jocko's mantra that he lives by is discipline equals freedom. If you want the freedom to, su to succeed at the highest level possible, you've got to have the discipline to actually do the hard work, do the preparation, and, and, and make those things happen. And we do see some veterans that, you know, they worked hard. They've deployed. They've been away from their families. Uh, and, and they feel like, hey, in the civilian world, I'm just going to coast. I'm not going to work hard. I'm gonna, I want something that's easy, and I want to get handed a big paycheck. That's not going to come to you. You're, you're going to have to go work hard for that. You're going to have to actually learn. You have to put in the extra hours. You're going to have to come in early and stay late. And if you want to have a successful career, nothing comes easy. You're going to have to do the hard work. So remember, discipline equals freedom. Uh, nothing's going to get handed to you. And, and you can't have that, that mindset because people may make an assumption about you because you're, you were in the military and they may, may, they may assume that you've got some great leadership, some great discipline or some great focus. And, and, and all those qualities that we're talking about, as soon as you prove otherwise, then it, it doesn't matter. Whether you serve in the military is, is totally irrelevant. Uh, you will not be successful you know, if you're not actually willing to go and do the hard work. I, I love that. I mean, it's, my sense is that entitlement is the, the biggest adversary in this transition and, and humility and hard work are the antidote. And what I hope listeners are encouraged by is if there's one trait universally that I see in military veterans, it is the ability to get stuff done, to just, just break through walls and overcome unbelievable obstacles. And if you can take that asset and apply that with that fresh mindset in your civilian career, you're unstoppable, but it, it does take a fair dose of humility of realizing like I've, I, you know, I climbed Mount Everest and now I have to start on the stair stepper. It's, you know, just taking a little bit of humility and, and starting from scratch and, Many of you have probably done that in different commands and in different roles. It's just adopting that same mindset. Um, I, know, I know that we're short on time here and I just wanna leave some room at the end. I always like to make space. Um, I know that there's a lot of questions I asked and I'm sure there's things that we didn't cover that you could talk about. And so you can take it one of two ways, either what have we not covered that you wanna make sure listeners know or what are just some final words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with listeners before we wrap up? Uh, you know, from my perspective, what we do at Echelon Front is we, we really are taking the lessons that we learned on the battlefield and we are teaching them to as many people as we possibly can so that they don't have to learn the lessons the hard way like we did. As, as I mentioned earlier, the companies that we work with, they, they grasp and they buy into and they understand and they implement these, these principles that we teach. 
and we see incredible improvement and growth inside those companies when we happen. I mean, that's absolutely the most rewarding thing that we get now as a, as, as a civilian is seeing companies just grow and expand using the principles that, that we learned on the battlefield. And, and again, now that we've got these companies in a situation where they really understand these principles and they live by these principles, and now giving them this opportunity to reach out into the military or people that are transitioning from the military and take people that also understand those principles, bring them inside their organization so that they can grow and expand even more. It's a, it's a huge opportunity for the people coming out of the military. It's a huge opportunity for the businesses that are bringing these people in. And for us, that's just extremely gratifying to be able to pay something back to the military for, for, for their service and then also to be able to give a what's really ends up being a parting gift. Cause one of the things that we do at echelon front is we don't want to go in and, and milk a company and, and, and make ourselves a crutch that they rely on. And now they've got to, they got to keep us in perpetuity, keep us forever. there working. What we want to do is we want to go, we want to teach these principles. We want to have them grasp the principles and move on. So what's nice now as a parting gift is we can say, Oh, by the way, here, you can hire some people that understand these principles that can, that can fold into your company, that will stay at your company, that will be a part of your company, and that will grow with your company. And so I think we've got a, a real kind of vertically integrated system now, and I'm looking forward to seeing how much it grows and expands in the future. So we're, we're really appreciative. We, we've, we've been blessed with the opportunities we've had, and we're, we're trying to spread those around as much as we can. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll make space for Leif in a second, but I, I hadn't thought of that. I think that's such an incredible way to make your principles, make the company self-sufficient in that you're providing this incredible consultative service. You're providing this incredible um, training for them. And then to support them in continuing that, you're giving them access to a pipeline of people who will support that culture who will support those values and those play so well together. Um, I, I hadn't viewed it from that angle, but that's, that's really compelling. How about you, Leif? Yeah, I, I would just summarize, you know, for, for those, uh, whether you're on active duty and you're thinking about transitioning out of the military, your, your career beyond that, or whether you're, you've already transitioned, you're thinking about a different, uh, different job opportunities or career paths, you've got to think strategically, take a step back and think about what kind of career do you want to have? What, what actually inspires you? What are you passionate about? What do you actually want to go out and do uh, that, that's going to be your new mission that you can take on that's going to, uh, that's going to push you hard to, to go and make things happen? Don't just jump on the first opportunity. Uh, as Jock and I have talked about, be humble. That's incredibly important. And I think one of the ways we capture that in the economy of leadership is in, in the last chapter of Extreme Ownership, Chapter 12, called the dichotomy of leadership is the, the, the final dichotomy we talked about there is that you have nothing to prove, but you have everything to prove. And I think in one way, you, you have to think about that as, as a military veteran, you've got, you, you've served your country. I mean, you, you've got extraordinary skills that you've learned. It's it, the U.S. military is the most amazing leadership development program in the entire world. So you've been through that. You, you have those skills. In, in one regard, you got nothing to prove. On the other hand, you have everything to prove every day that you're going to make the right decisions. You're going to be able to remain calm and, and not get emotional. You're going to put the mission before yourself. You're going to actually, you're going to be disciplined to do the hard work and, and you're going to, you're going to step up and take ownership when things go wrong and solve those problems going forward so that your team can win. And I think if, if you stay focused there, 
uh, that is, that's going to lead you to su success. And, you know, for anybody that's interested in, in, uh, in checking out, uh, you know, EF Legion, uh, you can go to, go to the website there or for the EF Overwatch website as, as well. Uh, that's EFLegion.com or EFOverwatch.com. Uh, any, any veterans that want to, want to apply there can, can join that. And, uh, and we've got an amazing group of companies that are super excited to, uh, to, to take the kind of leadership that they see, uh, the, who, with a mindset folks, not again, not just veterans, but people with a mindset, uh, that we're talking about. And we can, we can help you translate that to, uh, to, to the civilian sector, find those awesome career opportunities. And, uh, it's just extremely rewarding to be able to give back in that regard not only to pass the lessons on that we learned on the battlefield, but as you said earlier, Justin, honoring those that we lost. Uh, and I think that's the best way that uh, for any veterans out there that have lost their, their teammates or their, their friends uh, or, or family members, that uh, you can honor them by actually finding that new career, finding that new mission, and, uh, and going out there and, 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 and succeeding in whatever arena that you're, you're taking on after your military career. I, I love that. And, and I think for listeners, you, you've probably heard many things that differentiate EF Legion from other recruiting organizations. And I don't have any dog in the fight one way or another, but one of the things I most appreciate about what you just said was finding a mission. It's not just slotting someone into a job. It's not just let me place someone because then I'm going to get a recruiting check. It is really having the intention that people in the military find their next purpose. They find their next mission. They find something that's uniquely suited for them. And I think that's such a great way to approach this. So um, for listeners at beyondtheuniform.org, I'll have show notes with the links to everything we discuss at EF Legion, EF Overwatch, all of the books we discussed, other podcasts that are featured, these two amazing human beings. But thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to speak with me and the Beyond the Uniform audience today. It means a lot. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. Keep getting after it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Quick couple admin points. Um, we release brand new episodes every single Monday and Thursday. Those are usually recorded uh, about a month or so before they go live. Um, and um, every Monday and Thursday, we have an interview, usually almost always with a military veteran about their civilian career. More and more, we're starting to add in experts who may not be veterans, but may have some expertise that will help the military veteran community. Um, Saturdays, I typically post more of a behind-the-scenes episode, which is a free-form format. I try to use what I'm calling a mullet format, and by that I mean business up front, party in the back, uh, talking through admin points, uh, professional topics related to the podcast. It might be a conversation I had that week. It might have been an interview I had that week, but just trying to, to share things that are top of mind that may help you in more of a free form, straight from the heart format. And then the party in the back is the personal side of things, just kind of more free-flowing uh, thoughts on life, on um, uh, improving oneself, just kind of whatever's going on in life and trying to be authentic and um, honest about um, those things as well. Special thanks. We have an all-volunteer 
army of people behind Beyond the Uniform making this possible. Uh, we do this on our lunch breaks, on our evenings, on our weekends, because we love the military community. We want to give back. We want to make a difference. We want that as part of the purpose in our life that we we valued in the military. Um, so special thanks to Steve Bain. Steve does pretty much everything. He helps uh, secure guests. He does our newsletter. He keeps the reels rolling and keeps me sane. Kathleen Dillon, the first person to join our team. She writes text transcripts of every single episode. It's wild. She keeps up with two of these a week despite a demanding career and education right now. Uh, But those transcripts help us get more SEO value, helps her audience more. Um, Andrew Woolridge is our data guru. He helps us understand the numbers, which is the easiest way for us to figure out how we can better support you and um, adds kind of the, the data oversight for that. Rick Healy does all of our social media. He is gaining more and more of an audience for us by getting our videos, getting our podcasts out on social channels. Um, The best way to stay in contact with us is if you go to beyondtheuniform.org, there is a newsletter. You'll have a little pop-up that comes up. You can put your email in. We email twice per month. We try to be respectful, but it is a great way to get uh, appraised of upcoming events, upcoming interviews, promos where companies are giving discounts to Beyond the Uniform listeners, and more. Uh, This does cost money to put on. We are um, uh, committed to not charging veterans directly, um, and the way that we kind of offset costs is through corporate sponsors. So if you know of a company that would like to get in front of a military audience and their families, uh, that's one way that we can both add value to our members but also offset the costs of Beyond the Uniform and give us a little bit of budget to start expanding what we're doing. So that's the, the best way you can help us. If that's not something that you can do, a positive review on iTunes is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful week. We will be back Monday, Thursday, and Saturday with more interviews. And uh, yeah, keep up the, the, the listening. Take care.